Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you love him tonight? Has he been good to you? I mean, just a little bit or kind of or really, really been good to you? Good. Well, I knew he had. I just want to make sure you knew he had. You're alive today, aren't you? How many has got your right mind? The rest of you wondering about it now. Okay. Well, thanks for giving us a heads up. We're living in a world whenever the world was groping in insanity in 1965. Can you imagine where they are tonight? By God's grace, we're standing here tonight saved in our right mind, filled with the Holy Ghost. Many of us believe in the Word of God for the hour. Do we have needs and problems and issues? Of course we do. Of course we do. But we know our God is so mindful of our needs. I not only love his word, but I, I love the way that he deals with us about our needs and issues. And the way that he approaches it is so different than naturally we would. So let's turn to that, if you would, to St. John chapter 4, verse 16. St. <clears throat> John four sixteen. We'll pick up where we were last Wednesday. And the setting, of course, is... The woman at the well, one of the most famous characters of the New Testament. This woman is not just as an individual, but she bears a representation of us also and of the church ages. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Now, would you say she had a man problem or what? But what I find amazing is that Jesus doesn't stop and take a text on marriage and divorce. Now think about it. Most people that would hear this problem, what would they begin to focus on? Sexual issues, marriage, remarriage, divorce. That, that, would, that would be, because that, that's the problem. That's, no, that was not the woman's problem. The problem was in her soul, and these are reactions that she's doing because of a longing down inside of her. So now watch how he deals with her, and it might help us whenever he deals with us sometimes when we don't understand the way he's dealing with us. Thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now is not thy husband. And thou saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. As she does not want to talk about marriage and divorce. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, we love you so much tonight. We thank you, Father, for allowing us the opportunity to be gathered together here again tonight on Wednesday. How we love Wednesday, Father. Just such an uplifting time in the middle of the week, Father, where we can be able to come and sing and worship and pray and hear the word. And I thank you for Wednesday night service. 
I pray, Lord, that as long as we're here in this life, may we always be able to have church on Wednesday. We love it so much. What about it that we love, Lord? We love seeing one another. Yes, that's beneficial to us and it's a help to us. But really, if we just gathered together and saw one another and went back home, that wouldn't last but just a little bit. But what we love about it so much is you come among us every time we come. You speak to us, you minister to us, and we just love you so much for that. And we're looking for you to do that very thing again tonight. We have needs, desires, petitions, requests. But Father, we don't want to just approach you as being as one that we just place in our order and we walk away heartlessly expecting it to be delivered to us. But we love you. And if you never answer another prayer, we love you just the same. But we know it's your will to speak to us because you said you wanted to. So help us tonight in the service, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So she's turned out on the street when she's about 17 or 18. She's not really loved in the right way. And human beings were made to be loved. And our soul is the ability to choose right from wrong. And that is the nature of the spirit. And in the spirit is five contacts, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. Five gates to the inlet of our spirit. Five gates to contact our body. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. So this woman is a total prisoner now. She's still young. She's not really an old woman. But she's went from one man to another, to another, to another. She's left her fifth husband and now living with a man, which she's not married to. The Lord Jesus, in finding her need, he contacts her spirit. In her spirit is the communication channel of her being. Now, he does not touch her on the hand to contact her flesh. He doesn't actually go into inside the soul. But in her spirit is where all this is layered, which is connected to the subconscious, which reverberates out in the supernatural realm where our problems really are. Now, in our first conscience, we may think those problems are hid. Well, I go to church, and I do this, and I do that. And actually, we may feel at peace because our first conscience, we have subdued that voice of the subconscious. But the subconscious is that one down in the engine room, which is constantly reverberating really the way we feel on the inside of the inside. So whenever she goes to talking to him and the outside, you know, you're a Jew. You don't have no contact with us. Now notice what's talking. You're a Jew. I'm a woman of Samaria. We have no dealings with one another. No contact with each other. Woman, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink. Well, the well's deep. 
You ain't got no bucket. But he said, the water I give, it's a different kind of water than this. Now watch him. He's going beyond the flesh. Now he's going into the spirit. Entering into the communication channel. The father sent him there, but he doesn't know why. So he contacts her spirit and all of a sudden her spirit just opens up in the fourth dimension and he sees one, two, three, four, five men. And he sees whether it was the hoopah under each one of the wedding ceremony or you know whatever it was that he saw that identified her to being married to all of those men. Then the link... From that, the spirit down into the soul, it was a craving, a longing for real love. So she married that man, he wasn't it. Married that man, he wasn't it. Married another and that wasn't it. Friends, don't you understand why the world is where they are tonight? Don't you understand why they drink and they try this drug and that drug and another drug? It's a longing in them. It's a longing in them. Many of us were there, been there and done that, and we, we know what that longing felt like. But thank God, one day we met him too. And he got a hold of our hearts. Now, whenever he finds this communication channel and breaks into it by vision, and the Father opens up this realm and shows him where a problem is, now the problem is laying open and bare before him. Now, what do you do with it? What do you do with the problem? How do you deal with this problem? Now, as I said, many carnal, natural people, as soon as they would have found the problem, too many husbands, marriage and divorce, sex issues, prostitution, adultery, this, that, or the other, boy, they'd go in the Old Testament and they'd find them a scripture about adultery and they'd pick up stones, they'd be carrying rocks in their pockets. And they would be hunting for quotes on justifying getting rid of that devil. She is absolutely vile and wretched and she's a bad influence to our daughters and she don't need to be living in our community. But Jesus deals with a prostitution problem in the way of talking about church. And the right place to worship. Now would you ever think that you would deal with a woman who has these kind of issues. And you would tell her, go get your husband and come here and we'll talk about Well I don't have a husband. Well that's true, that's true. You don't have a husband, you've had five and the man you're with now is not yours. Now watch him and sir. I perceive that you're a prophet. Now we know that when Messiah cometh and now she changes away from marriage and divorce, she don't want to go that way no more. So she gets real religious. Now, watch the Lord Jesus in verse 23. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now remember who we're talking to. We have come to the greatest dispensational change 
since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. When the dispensation changed from God's mercy and grace from innocence into conscience. Then the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant. And now we come to the Messianic covenant. The greatest change since the fall in the Garden of Eden. And who's the first person to hear about it? A woman that's been married five times and living in adultery with another man. A woman that most of us would not even give the time of day to. We wouldn't even want to be seen talking to her. We would not want to get our hands dirty. But I'm telling you, friends, I've done been around long enough, and many of you all have too, to understand that lots of times we have to get our hands dirty in order to help some of God's people because they are found in dirty situations. Now, most of us can be honest here tonight and say we would much rather deal with Clorox Christians. Well, good luck if you can find any. We would rather deal with Mr. Clean Christians and Miss Clean Christians and everybody that has everything 100% right in their life. They have no issues and no problems. As I said, good luck if you find some of those. Send them my way. I'd like to at least just see some of that kind. But the truth of the matter is that we were all found in the mire and in the hog lot of sin. That's where we were when the Lord found us. And the truth of it is, after he picks us up, we still have to be dealt with many times under the blood of the covenant to repent and to make right things in our life as we endeavor to continue on this journey and walk with God. Is that right? So don't come here tonight with a facade of Christianity on you that you've never made a mistake since you got saved. First of all, you are a bold-faced liar and you'll go to hell for lying. So what we need to admit is that every now and then we have to reach down and be able to pick up brothers and sisters and deacons or trustees or whoever it is that get into some dirty situations. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. But you know, the Lord Jesus' reputation, the prophet tells us, was actually made among people like this. Now, I can imagine that one reason that some of the scribes and the Pharisees would not want to be identified with a woman like this was because they'd probably been seen at her house from time to time. So they sure wouldn't want nobody knowing they visited her. And it probably wasn't for communion either. Come on, friends, don't sit there and look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But we know that the Lord Jesus was interested in this woman for one purpose, and that was to redeem her soul. He was not interested in her body. He was not interested in getting something from her on an individual, personal basis. He was interested in delivering her from the power of darkness. So 
once he finds the problem, then he has to follow the channel of the Father. Now remember, he breaks into this avenue and he tells her that the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now the question is meant by her, well, y'all say that we're supposed to worship over there in Jerusalem. Our fathers say, man, here in Mount Gerizim is where we're supposed to worship. But Jesus said, no, I'm here to introduce an entirely new dispensation. You will not worship a father in Mount Gerizim, nor will you worship him in Jerusalem, but you will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, notice then, so once you are baptized into spirit and immersed into truth, that makes you a true worshiper and God will hear your worship just as well when you're out feeding the chickens as he will when you're sitting in Happy Valley Church. So you're actually baptized into the sanctuary of the mystical body of God. Hallelujah. He will hear your prayer just as well. Praise be to God. Let me tell you something, friends. Some of you all have had been sick at night and you've had to call me at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30, whatever it is. And whenever I get awake and I've got a few seconds to wake up and a brother Donnie, this is sister so-and-so, this is brother so-and-so, you and sister Carol, please pray for me. Well, I'm so glad that I don't have to get up, go in the closet, put on a suit, put on a tie, get my iPad, get everything out, you know, all lined out in a religious way and pray for you, especially if you're in the middle of a heart attack. I'm so glad that I can lay right there flat on my back and me and Carol both woke up by the phone and joined together in prayer and called the all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus and watch him come on the scene and move for you right then and there. Why? Because we are in the spirit and in the truth. Amen. Now for those of you that feel like you're only worshiping when you feel something, you need to broaden your understanding about what Jesus was saying about. Now truly inspiration will come on us to worship, but I am baptized in the spirit. So therefore I can worship him whether I feel anything or whether I don't. I can worship him on Monday as good as I can on Sunday because I live in the spirit land. I live in the truth land. I'm baptized into the sanctuary of the spirit. I'm baptized into the sanctuary of truth. I worship him in spirit because I'm baptized in the spirit itself. Many of you let the devil rob you because you're waiting on a feeling and you stand here high for the worship service and you don't feel nothing. Well, I'm waiting to feel something. I'm waiting to feel something. You are called to be a worshiper. You are anointed to be a worshiper. Worship him and then you'll find out the feelings come many times after you make the sacrifice of praise. Amen. 
We got it backwards. We wait for the feeling to come and then we make the sacrifice of praise. It ain't no sacrifice of praise when the anointing's all over you. The sacrifice of praise is whenever your arms are tired or your hands are tired or your spirit is weary and you don't feel like worshiping God but you worship him anyway from the land of truth, from the land of the sanctuary of the presence of God. Now notice this, Jesus in St. John 4, 24, watch him open up now. Not only the, the, the land or the sanctuary by which this dispensation will be, the saints will worship from, spirit and truth, but he's going to open up the mystery of the Godhead. They said, what in the world? Why would you talk about the Godhead when you've got a woman that's got a marriage problem? Well, sometimes it's kind of like some of you that's sick or you got problems or needs in your body and you come to church and you're under expectation that God is going to go down the avenue of faith or God's going to go down the avenue of this and that and the other and he don't do that at all. Actually, what he does, he gets up on the eagle nest and he kind of spreads his wings real big and wide and he just stands up there and he turns his head around and gives you a majestic view of his deity and he'll flutter his big wings over the nest and go to rustling around and blowing all the loose feathers out. and you say but Lord, uh, Lord I'm sick Lord I've got this Lord no Lord no, no, no Lord I, I come to church tonight and I needed to hear this and that and that he said no I'll tell you what you need what you need to hear is how big I am how how powerful I am, how wonderful I am, how majestic I am, cause no matter what you're dealing with, if you look up this way, I'll always be bigger than all of your problems. So what's Jesus now? He says, God is a spirit, or actually in the original, it is pneuma hosios. Now remember the Hebrews write from the right to the left. So pneuma hosios. So God is a spirit that's placed in English, but actually it's the other way around. So here pneuma, which is pneumatic, which is the word used in the New Testament for spirit, ho and then theos, which is the word used for God or for deity. Now again, we're talking about a woman that's got major, major problems in her life and marriage problems and sex problems and all kinds of problems like that. Why in the world would you preach the Godhead to a woman that has so many problems? Well, I, I believe Jesus knew what he was doing, don't you? I still believe he does tonight, don't you? So, you know, the thing that he does sometimes is go way beyond our problem. Instead of addressing it directly, he will go above it and go beyond it in order to strike something that's more like himself down inside of you. Instead of just looking at the issue and the problem, he wants to connect you to himself and also connect you to the real you. Instead of connecting you to the temporary you, which is most of our problems anyway. Now, notice, so he says, God is a, the English says a spirit, but actually in the Greek, it is God is spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So now here the Lord Jesus, which come from the presence of the Father, he is going to tell us what the Father actually is. So he does not say that God is an old man. Or he does not say that God is a man in his 50s or his 60s. Or he does not say God looks like a man. Or he does not say that God is an angel. But he says God is Numa. God is spirit. Now he is what the Hebrews call the eternal. We know the name Jehovah is actually a corrupted form. The vowels have been added. It was the name which was not to be pronounced in the Old Testament. So we call it Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, and you see all of that. But actually it's added too. They could never even touch it. Uh, so when we look at what they called him in the Old Testament, it was the eternal. So here is the body of time reflecting or declaring the eternal. So he ought to know what he looks like. Amen. Now he says God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice after the resurrection in Luke 24, 39. The Lord Jesus says, behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see for a spirit Hath not flesh and bones. Ah, so the Father then, since He is a spirit, does not have flesh and bones. Now, Brother Donnie, I heard Dr. So-and-so on the radio. I'm not talking about what Dr. So-and-so said. I'm talking about what Jesus Himself said. He is the Godhead. You believe that? So he says, now a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Now notice again that John, of course being the writer that he was with the insight that he had, that John says in chapter 1 verse 18, no man hath seen God at any time. Now wait a minute, the Bible says in the Old Testament in Exodus 33 and Exodus 24 and Numbers 26 and several places of the Old Testament, the book of Judges, also about Jacob, I have seen God face to face and my life has been spared. Manoah and his wife said they saw God. Several different places in the scripture said they saw God. Well, not according to John. Now they saw God, but they didn't see God. Now many of you have seen me. My brother Harry here tonight has seen me in more longer than, than any of the rest of you, including my wife and my daughters and my granddaughters, because being brothers, we were raised up together and just being a few years apart. So Harry has seen me more than anyone else here in the building. But in reality, Harry's never seen me at all. Nor have I ever seen him. But yet I've seen him. And he, he can say, well, have you, have you seen Brother Donnie? Oh, yeah. I've seen Brother Donnie for years and years and years. We was raised up together. And, and uh, you could say, Brother Donnie, have you seen Harry? Yeah, I've seen him. He say, Brother Donnie, have you ever seen Harry? And I, I, I could honestly say, no, I've never seen him. And then you'd say, well, make up your mind. You cannot say yes, you have seen him. And no, you haven't seen him. Have you or have you not? Which is the truth? Both of them. Right. Amen. 
because there's a part of him that I have never seen and there's a part of me that he's never seen. Let's bring it on down. There is a part of you that you have never seen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, notice then that John said no man has seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. Now, this is not saying that men had not witnessed a partial revealing of the glory of God. Actually, God had to step out of this essential glory in order for man to comprehend his omer, his eternal essence. He had to step out of that and reveal feel himself in the form of Christ and then he would step back into that for no man would be able to live and look at that glory. It would annihilate us. Moses saw a manifestation of God. Abraham saw a manifestation of God. Jacob, right? These people saw him but they never saw God. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son. I love this word. The best old Greek manuscripts read monogeus theos, which is God only begotten it was our English translators with a Trinitarian influence that put in the title son it's not in the original because there is no eternal son in the original so who was it God was begotten amen So here is the only begotten. It is the unbeginning one. The one which never started. Amen. Hallelujah. Now look at him here tonight. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I've got so many problems. I know. I know. Look at his wings. Look at the wind fluttering. Watch how great he is. Cast all your problems on him. For he cares for you. Oh my, the only begotten Son, or God only begotten, who was in the bosom of the Father, He has interpreted Him. He has declared or made Him known. He is the exposition or the declarer of God. Praise be to God. He was drawing forth from the very depths of God that could be understood or comprehended by mortals in the stream of time. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, or the God begotten, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him or revealed Him. I hope you understand where I'm going to go here. Every time there was a manifestation of God, beginning from the Garden of Eden on down, actually way back even before then, when the Logos comes out of the eternal, it was actually Christ, the mystery of God. Of God being revealed. 
Now remember it was Christ before he became Jesus. Jesus was the human body which carried the human name of God. But Moses bore the reproach of Christ according to the book of Hebrews. Not the reproach of Jesus. When he appeared to Moses, that was Jesus in the future. But it was Christos, which was the anointed Logos. Whenever he wrestled with Jacob, it was the visible manifestation of Theos, which God had condescended to a level to be able to change his prophet. Oh, praise God. From the Old Testament right on down to the New, it was the declaration of the begotten of God. Notice St. John 5, 37. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. St. John 6, 46. Not that any man has seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. 1 John 4, 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So we have passages in the scripture that say people saw God and then we have passages in the scripture that say people never saw God. But Donnie, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know which one to believe. Well, that's easy. Both. <laughs> Notice 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17. Now unto the king Eternal, immortal, invisible. The only wise God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Now unto the king, immortal. Oh, now, Brother Donnie, now, now you, you don't expect me to believe in something invisible, do you? How many believes in love? Give me a spoonful of it. I'll take a bowl, a plate, a symbol. Now come on, don't tell me now y'all believe in something you can't touch. How many believes in oxygen? You ever seen it? How many believes in the wind? Really? Oh, I saw the wind blowing. You never done no such a thing. The wind come through and it blew and you saw the effects visibly, but you never saw the wind. Carbon monoxide, on and on and on. How many gases and so on that God created and left them in the invisible realm, yet they can give you life or they can take your life and yet you strike a match around where some of those invisible gases are and you'll be greeting Jesus in the morning. Oh, you say, I don't believe in nothing invisible. Well, you go ahead and strike a match and you'll find out. It is very powerful to be invisible. So notice then, it shows how little we know of the invisible realm. 
Oh, praise God. So here is the one who fills all things, the one who covered all space, time, and eternity, and yet he is invisible. Don't you see why Satan knew he could concoct a doctrine of Trinitarianism? And it would appeal to so many humans because they relate to imagery. They relate to what they can see and take. Don't you understand why idolatry? Oh, my, my. Don't you see why idolatry so went over among the people? It still does today. That's why they got football idols and baseball idols and basketball idols. They're stars. <laughs> but you see, unlike man-made gods... which can only be in one place at one time. The eternal can be... And if God was limited to one body and one house, he could have never divided himself on the day of Pentecost. And he couldn't be down in Louisiana anointing Brother Tim or whoever's preaching down there and be anointing different brothers in the different parts of the states and wherever more tonight, he could only be here because we, we definitely want him here, don't we? Amen. So he could only be here or, or no, next Wednesday night, he'd, he'd be down there and then, then the next Wednesday night, he'd be somewhere else and then the next Wednesday night. But since he is the king, the eternal, the immortal, the invisible, he can be right here in the fullness of his power. He can be in Louisiana. He can be in Zimbabwe. He can be in Kenya. He can be in Chile, South America. He can be in Havana, Cuba. He can be wherever, all over. All praise be to God. He hears all of our prayers at the same time. If seven billion people were praying at the same time, he could hear every prayer and differentiate who made that prayer and keep every one of the requests straight. With all of our modern technology and all the wonderful things that we've got by science, any of you all ever send the wrong text to the wrong person? <laughs> Go ahead, be honest. It's hard to explain to your best friend whenever you say, I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> and he sends back this thing, oh Lord, what's happened to you? And then you read it, which we should have done before we sent it. But we're in such a hurry that we go ahead and send sin and then we read it later. Which makes no sense to me why we do that. But can you imagine God being able to hear millions of people pray at the same time? And keep all their prayers separate and oh my hallelujah. And never send your answered request to your brother or your sister or your aunt or your mama or your grandma. He knows how to designate each answer exactly right on time and keep every one of them straight. First Timothy 6.15 Which in his times the plural implies successive stages of the kingdom of God being revealed in sequence 
according to the allotted time of the Father. Notice how Paul writes this, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. Now remember when 1 Timothy 6 is written, by now the Caesar is demanding that he be called Lord. Paul was really terrified of him, ain't he? So you imagine he's writing these letters and there's people, remember, that was in Caesar's household that was reading these things. They wasn't afraid. He said, let me, let, let me just remind you all, there's only one potentate and it ain't Nero. There's only one potentate. Hallelujah. It is not Augustus. There's only one Lord. There's only one God. Oh yeah, we can say that in secret. But what if the great man himself read it? Didn't make no difference. They stood for what they believed. They was not cowards. They was not yellow. They, he just come out and said, there's only one. And he will show in his time. is the blessed and only potentate king of kings and lord of lords now Paul opened him up for us who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach him to who only has immortality. Now you and I, by the grace of God, receiving God's life. The angels receiving God's life. But Paul said there's only one who has immortality in himself. Amen. We'll get there that day and say thank you Lord for sharing your life with us. Angels could look around, thank you, Father, for sharing your life with us. He ain't got nobody to thank since he is life. Amen. He don't have to borrow his immortality from nobody else. Let me go ahead and just say right now, the Lord Jesus don't have to look up to an old man and say to that old man, Father God, Father, thank you for giving me your life. Thank you, Father, for letting me do this. Thank you, Father, for letting me do that. He was the Father. Made manifest in a body of time. That's why he could tell them, have I been so long time with you and you have not known me? He that hath seen the former hath seen me, hath seen the Father. You see, friends, when we catch a revelation of the understanding of the word, it'll take care of prostitution problems. It'll take care of adultery problems. It'll take care of sick problems. It'll take care of whatever kind of problems you got. Notice who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach to. In other words, inhabiting inapproachable light. I'm not so sure that we will ever, ever, ever ever oh glory to God in his own essence he is the eternal in order 
to reveal himself to angels and to men. He steps out of this glory. I'm going to condescend in a form, in the form of creative word. That is an act of condescension. To make himself known because he desires to be loved. He knows how we are. We live in a material world. We are material beings. We understand as we can see and taste and touch and feel and so on. He knows that. And he condescends. Whenever you read in the Bible about the right hand of God, do you understand what you just read? You read a word of human language reflecting a mirror of human anatomy in order to you to be able to understand him a little more. God don't have a right hand or a left hand like a man. God don't have hair like a man or an eye or a nose or a foot like a man. God is spirit. God, He is the eternal. So you imagine inhabiting the inapproachable light, the dazzling brilliance of His majesty, which is so great that if it would appear in this place tonight, every one of us would be dead in a matter of seconds. Praise God. These mortal eyes could not stand such a revelation of God. And yet, the Bible tells us here in Psalms 104 verse 2, Who covers thyself with light. So here is King Light, and his clothes, as it were, are also light. Did not John say God is light and in him is no darkness? Notice this, who covers thyself with light as with a garment. So here we put on cotton and polyester and, you know, satin and all this and that and the other. But God says, my embodiment reflects, my clothes reflect who I am. I put on light. Why? That's who he is. I don't wear Viking clothes. I'm not a Viking. Okay? I don't wear a chimpanzee suit. I'm not a monkey. Praise the Lord. I wear human clothes, human shoes. Why? It is the epitome of who I am. If my God was a man, he would have on a pair of shoes like I've got, and a pair of breeches, and a shirt, and a tie. But he clothes himself in that which is befitting to his nature, which is Who only has immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see. Moses saw the symbol of his divine presence because he is infinite and eternal, he appeared. In the form of visibility. And atoms and molecules. 
something that could be slowed down so mortals' eyes could catch it. So for dealing with the being that our minds cannot comprehend, and if our minds cannot comprehend it, then our eyes cannot process and see it. You understand? Now, for those of us who don't understand rocket scientists, we can be able to add <laughs> an equation that a rocket scientist would look at and say, yeah, this, 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 we look at it and say, really? Wow. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It could be saying Yankee Doodle Dandy and we wouldn't know the difference because we just, uh-huh, yeah, right, uh-huh. So I see what you're saying. You don't either. You're lying. So if our mind cannot comprehend the eternal, how can our eyes process a visible image, an invisible God, unless he would come into a form, oh glory, unless he would have it written about himself in the word in a way that humans would read it with their mind and see it with their eyes and then they would get a little bit of understanding by the process of thought. which is enough to get them started and then he'll bring them higher with revelation. So once he wakens the seed in the woman, glory to God, once he wakens the seed in the woman by talking on the basic principles of the new dimension that God's people are going to enter into, then he's able to pull back the very theos of God and say, woman, God is a spirit. Your matter of spirit. God, the eternal is a spirit. You mean so he's not limited to the temple in Mount Zion? He's not limited to the temple of the Mount Gibrazim. He's not tempted. He's not limited to one place at one time. God is spirit. You imagine when Jesus said this to temple goers, to people that had been born and raised, that there's only one place you pray, only one place you worship, only one place you sacrifice, and that was at the temple. And Jesus said, where there's two or three. Gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. This was contrary to everything that's taught the whole life. How could a Jew accept that? How could a real died in the wool Jew, a real Hebrew, that believed what God told Moses ever accept that? Can I go on a little bit? Now, do I believe that there will be an essence of God that we will see? Yes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we're the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, that we shall see him which is the only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords, for we shall see him as he is. 
Revelation 22, 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. Notice it does not say faces. Deity does not have faces. If you ever see the deity of God, you'll see it in the face of Jesus Christ. God only begotten. You see, the Old Testament teaches the same mystery. Watch in Exodus 33, 20. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me. And live. And yet the Bible tells us that God put Moses in the cleft of the rock. And whenever he walked by, he moved his hand. And here it was, Christ, in form of theophany. Glory be to God. Moses saw his back and was changed forever. No wonder when we saw his face, we was. (laughs) Glory be to God. Moses saw his back and was never the same again. Don't you understand what the eternal did? He stepped out of his glory for a moment of time into an act of condescension in the theophany, which was Christ the Word. And whenever he pulled back his hand and Moses saw the glory and it was the back part of a man. That same man that Adam was made in the image of. He said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Not as you can't see my form, you can't see my essence. You cannot see me in my glory and live. But I'll let you see myself. And that part of me which was in the eternal, which projected from my own being. (laughs) Hallelujah. What is it? What we call the son of the eternal. You see, the full discovery of the eternal could not be revealed under the law. Watch in Deuteronomy 4.12, And the Lord spake unto you, out of the midst of the fire, you heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only you heard a voice. So here he is in infinite glory. And they heard a voice coming out. And even when they was allowed to see something, it was only part of that greatness. And he stepped out of the glory enough that it wouldn't kill him. And even then the mountain shook and trembled. And they heard his voice and they ran and they were terrified. Why didn't it do that when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well? It was a greater act of condescension. It was the eternal condescended in a level that was so low that ordinary human beings could look at him and they didn't realize it was the essential presence of the eternal. 
but he looked like a man. He sweated like a man. He got tired like a man, hungry like a man, wore out like a man, a headache like a man. But it was the eternal veiled in human flesh. His greatest work of condescension to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. You see, Moses asked in Exodus 33, 11, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. He said, you can't see my face. Moses didn't ask to see his face. He asked to see his glory. But his glory was in the revealing of his face. He said, you can't see my face. Can you imagine saying, so you understand, oh, we'll get to that in a while, but this is one of your rewards in their eighth day. You always are allowed to behold his face. The people that live outside the city will come and go, come and go. New moon to Sabbath and so on and so on. Part of your reward is being able to see his face for eternity. Why? You're allowed to see what part of his glory has been revealed in time, which matches your placing in the eighth day. Many only now see his glory on the cross, his glory on saving, his glory on this or that, but we know there's more to him than the cross. Oh, glory. Notice Acts 7 47, but Solomon built him a house. Don't you understand, friends? All nations, all nations have an ideology of God in a tangible form. Look at the Buddhists around the world. You studied the history of Buddha, you know that Buddha was a man. And he started searching for peace and meditation and goes under this certain tree and sits there and crosses his leg. And I'm glad we won't have to do that. I'd have a hard time doing that, wouldn't you? Sitting there trying to search for peace. Man, all I'd find in this up here is a bunch of muddled up junk. And I'm glad I don't have to go to my mind. I go to my Savior for my peace. Praise be to God. But what do they do? Then they take the Buddha and they make an image. And then they turn the image into worship. Look at the Hindus, 33 million gods. Look at the religions around the world looking for something. And then Christianity, what did they do? It accepted the same idolatry. He said, mayors are getting warm in here. <laughs> Acts 7, 47, Solomon built him a house. Uh-oh. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples. Now can you imagine? This would have seemed contrary to the Old Testament. This would have seemed contrary to what Solomon said. It would have seemed contrary to what God himself even said. But it wasn't. I'm not saying there wasn't something in the temple. It was him, but it wasn't him. How many has got him in you tonight? It's him, but it ain't him. You don't have all of him. You've got him, but you don't have all of him. Right? How much ever calcium? 
phosphorus, nitrates, so on and so on and so on that's in this bottle. One swallow has now been transferred from the bottle into me. What it is, I am. But not the same volume. You've got him, I've got him, saints around the world have got him, but nobody has him. Oh, hallelujah. He is the eternal, immortal, invisible, only wise God. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Now you imagine for Jews trying to come to the new dispensation and lay aside that tradition? That they walked by that temple with reverence and oh my, just all of those years. And then all of a sudden they walk by it and say, God ain't in there. That could get your head. <laughs> Acts 17, 24, God that made the world and all things therein. Seeing then he is Lord of heaven and earth. Dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Brother Donnie, I'm having problems with my back. He's here. I'm having a problem with my kids, I'm, but he's here. He's bigger than your kids. He's bigger than your issues of life. He's bigger. How you gonna deal with prostitution, woman? Give me a drink. Hey, you got Hey, man, drink from the right well. It'll take care of prostitution. It'll take care of diseases. It'll take care of sickness. It'll take care of sorrow. It'll take care of any problem you got in your life. But the problem of it is we make our problems bigger than our God. But Brother Donnie, how can God be a spirit only. When there are, are, are things attributed to God from the Bible. That makes it sound like human parts. You see none of us can ever do this the way he does it. But to him greatness is expressed in humility. Humility. So he wanted people to understand him. So he anointed the authors of the scriptures to take our parts and attribute them to the eternal as if though he had an eye. So he would have it written in the book of Genesis as if though that God repented that he made man. And God said, I repent. 
It was a bad mistake. word that the scripture used and it repented the Lord that he ever made man can you imagine the eternal sin? wow I didn't know he was going to do this I wish I had never done that no that's the way we say it don't you understand what he done he took our terms oh he took a language that we would be able to understand and he said they're so far from me they're so far from my being they can't come up to where I am I will come to them but before I do I will adapt to even much of their language I will adapt their body parts and I, I will say that by my right hand I've done this and my right arm I've done that and by my mouth I've done this and, and by my eyes I've done that and they'll be able to read that and they'll be able to relate to me until I become a man. <laughs> his wisdom is called his eyes. Oh, I'll put this down. I want to share it with you. His wisdom is called his eye. His efficiency is his hand or his arm. His face is the manifestation of his favor. His mouth is the revelation of his will by his heart the sincerity of his affections and carnal minded people read this without understanding of the father's nature and they attribute this naturally brother Jim as if though God is an old man sitting up there in heaven him as a boy have this conversation and yours, the, yours, the old God, you know, the, the real old God, however old he is, seven million billion years old, whatever it is. And he looks over at his little boy and said, Son, I hate to ask you to do this. But I want you to look down there. This world's in an awful shape. And I, I don't know if any of them are here or not. Maybe some of them will, will feel sorry for you. I don't know. I just don't know the outcome. That ain't my God you're talking about. My God is eternal, immortal, invisible. It wasn't like that. So John is carried up in the spirit. And he breaks into the realm of vision and he sees, as it were, in a similitude to a council being held. And they said, is there anyone who can take the book? Is there anyone who can take the book? Now watch God, how he takes on the imagery of council of men. Is there anybody waiting? So they went down and they searched under the earth. And they looked in the earth. They looked under the heavens. Now what do people do when they read this? They get in their mind human imagery. And then all of a sudden nobody was found worthy. And John got all told, oh God, I will be lost. Oh God, I will be lost. And then all of a sudden from this other throne over here comes this little boy. Young man, 20 some years old, 30 years old. And he goes over to his mean old daddy. Daddy! 
shouting. Oh, dude. If God gave the penalty and a person other than God pays the penalty, he's unjust. It was God in a human form. Amen. The only begotten God or God only begotten. Amen. So what did he do? John said, I saw one come out of the throne. And he come and took the book out of the right hand. So people say, see, see, see. Then your Jesus had a hand and God had a hand and they're not the same hands. You are so blessed when you read that from your Bible and you don't see two gods. in your mind when you look on the throne you do not see a man with hands like yours eyes like yours but the logos comes from the eternal and reaches and grabs from the eternal's essence the names that's all I feel like talking in a language other than English. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah to God. Not another God. Not another being. The eternal. In his greatest effigy. The greatest of his This one will be so perfect. He will crown it for eternity. Now I become the volume of the bottle. <laughs> Moses had a swallow. David had a swallow. Jeremiah had a swallow. But when Jesus come on the earth, the fullness of the bottle, oh glory to God, was empty. Glory to God, when I go to feeling this, my jaw goes to quivering, and my lips go to quivering, and my lips go to feeling numb. Oh, yes, Jesus, I love it. Mm. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He cannot assume a material form without an act of condescension, and he creates himself in the lower forms. Second Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest they 
the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. And the word image, like the word form, in Philippians 2.6, is used in the New Testament for real and essential embodiment being distinguished away from just mere resemblance. So it wasn't that Jesus come down on the earth and, you know, when you looked at Jesus, that he looked so much like his daddy that you could say, well, when you've seen me, you've seen my father because me and him look so much alike. No. Because you couldn't have stood to look at his father. Glory to God. It was the part of him which had not begun. It was the unbegun of the eternal. Glory to God. I'm going to hush before we get over into next Wednesday night. The unbegun, unending reflection of himself in himself from the thought in eternity. (laughs) Christ is the adequate image of God. God's self-reflection in his own thought eternally present with himself. Hello, testing. Houston, have we got a problem? Children, just as sure as there's a God in heaven, it will be when this unveils and reveals itself to us that will change us. You think we're waiting for some tape to come from Jeffersonville? Some tape that'll be found somewhere that'll have some kind of words on it. The prophet said, when the bride sees who she is. Many of you believe that you're a sinner saved by grace. You believe that in the Baptist church. It never raptured you then. It ain't going to rapture you now. But what, what if you could go past that? What if God could take you back? For the foundation of the world when the deed was cleared in the original. Praise God. And you could see yourself eternally present with the eternal. Glory to God. God who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers for the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, his Word, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Amen. 
The word express means character. The instrument used for engraving or carving. The exact expression. The image of any person or thing. Precise reproduction in every respect. Facsimile. Jesus was the facts of God. So if you need to sign a document from your insurance company or a lawyer or, or, or your, your doctor or somebody, what do they do? A real estate deal? What can they do? You're, you're a thousand miles from there. And they say, do you have a fax machine? Yes. What's the number? 423-547-3611. We'll have it to you in a few seconds. All of a sudden, ring, and here it comes. Transmission over lines, images, pictures, words, agreements, contracts, dates. I'm trying to stop, honestly. Hallelujah! God faxed deity. Mercy, love, forgiveness, pardon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God faxed it in the form of Jesus Christ. And here he was talking to a prostitute. And she accepted the fax and signed her name at the bottom. see a man that told me what I done. Isn't this the very Messiah? What'd he do? Pardon her. Which man do you figure she loved best in her life? Man one, man two, man three, man four, man five, Man six, the boyfriend, or man seven? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, sing some hurry, because I got a lot more pages to look at. I'm closing this right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father.
said when we open our Bible, that's just what we see. That fits. That makes sense to me. That's grace. Amen. Let's just continue to sing that. You can worship if you want to. If you need to go, go ahead and go. But here, if you'll sing some more of that for us tonight. Let's just sing that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything. Let's sing that one again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll give you everything. He'll give you everything.
Oh